Welcome to the GBC Big Three podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and my co-host for the Big Three today is none other than Jessica Baker. Welcome, my dear friend. Another Hello. week. Yeah, what a surprise. What it's a me. surprise. It's you. There is no surprise. You are my co-host. Bonnie to my Clyde. Oh, bless. <laughs> um, what's coming up, my friend? What's going on? Um, I'm just milking every last second of independence and quietness there is before a child arrives. Yeah. So, like, lots of date nights are happening. <gasps> Lovely. Lots of sitting on the lounge. Oh, lots exceptional. Lots of not moving. A lot of cleaning, which I don't, is unnecessary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The pantry's been reorganised spectacularly. Oh, yeah, there's Tupperware But what involved. a dream that is. Like, don't yeah. you just feel like... And, like, you're really succeeding at being an adult when yeah. you've got a clean cupboard. Yeah, delightful. I've got yep. a snack box. I've got a healthy snack box <laughs> and then an unhealthy snack box that's triple the size of the healthy snack box. Uh, it's good to be realistic. Yeah, like, let's not play around. <laughs> let's just I'm not going to eat that many muesli bars and protein balls. Like, really. Um, I'm, My chia yeah, seeds. Yeah. And <laughs> but the triple butter popcorn in the unhealthy oh, box, like, that's what yes. I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. For those movie nights before oh, a child glorious. arrives. That's a good time. Oh. Yeah. What a joy. <laughs> like, He's just thinking of I'm, popcorn I, now. <laughs> I, I'm just like, I'm hungry and I'm envious of that time that you're having now. Yeah. I'm not envious of what's for what to come. is to come. But no. we won't talk about that. No. Look, no. I'm very aware of what's involved well, probably in the first couple Probably more than most weeks. as yeah. a midwife. Yeah, I sit with a lot of crying mums <laughs> and pat them on the shoulder and tell them they're doing a good job. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm prepping my husband yep. of like, I'm not going to look cute. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be an emotional wreck and let's just dive in. But I think we can agree that Jacob, you know, is just going to do swimmingly as I mean, a he better husband. He better. Most of his attention will be taken up with the terrorist dog. Yeah, yeah. that's been a time for you as well. Yeah, yeah. So Huxley, yeah, yeah. I just don't know what <laughs> Where else Where do we to go? Say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jake will be preoccupied yeah. mostly with him and yeah. I'll be preoccupied with the newborn. Yeah, you welcome to psychopathic canine into your home. Mm. Um mm-hmm. not long before No. Um no. we celebrated his first birthday last lovely. week. It was beautiful. Lovely. Such a glorious time. <laughs> I just looked back and regretted all the choices <laughs> I've made. <laughs> but here we are. He's a little cutie. Yeah, sometimes great, great on the gram. Yeah, um, less so in reality. It's that whole Instagram versus reality. He looks yeah. great on a post. Yeah, um, but like, <laughs> but we don't like it. <laughs> well, we'll pray for you. If anyone wants a dog, <laughs> there's one for sale. <laughs> Just letting you know, you can't do that with the child. <laughs> Just give it up. <laughs> it's really taught us like Facebook buy swap sell. <laughs> We read every book under the sun. We watched every YouTube video on how to have a, a beautiful dog and it didn't work. I have read zero things for child rearing because I'm like, who cares? Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. There is yeah. a debate about nature versus nurture. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it was just in Huxley. I think so. I, I hope you so. You have not done anything. I can't have two biting children <laughs> in the house. So I really hope. There may be a time that you do though. <laughs> and I know how to handle it. Or at least endure it. Yes, correct. (laughs) Oh, bless. What a vibe. What a time. What a vibe. But, you know, we can just put that to the side for Mm. the next 40 minutes and just talk about more exciting things. Well, for those of you who missed it, our senior pastor, Mark Reader, preached during our services this past weekend, continuing in our series, Discerning the Invitation of God Together. 
Mark spoke from the book of Acts and the story of the early church discerning God's call to include the Gentiles. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC sermon podcast. And so today in the big three, we're going to keep the conversation going from Mark's message. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Mark and Jess and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. But as always, Jess, before we get Mm. Mark in the room, I'm keen to hear your thoughts coming out of the message on Sunday. It was the wrap-up of the series. It was the fourth and final Mm -hmm. installment Mm -hmm. of the saga that has been (laughs) discernment. Um, I hope it's not a saga. I hope it's actually a wonderful (laughs) tale and journey, but you get where I'm going. Um, I thought it was interesting, like, to see how they navigated the bombshell that was bringing in the Gentiles. I think all the Gentiles in the room can agree they're pretty happy with the no circumcision rule. Can can confirm. (laughs) Can confirm. (laughs) That that would have been really upsetting. Yeah, can eat bacon. Delightful. But just seeing how they kind of navigated that, all their preconceived notions of this is how we were raised and this is how it should be done if you're following the Lord Mm. and then what actually is necessary and what God's actually calling people to do. So I thought that was really cool. What a wild experience though, and like we've obviously talked a few times during this series as a church about, you know, our plans of how this discernment process is hopefully going to shape a plan for us as a church moving forward. And that I know Mark has said a number of times, like we're not anticipating that God's going to mm. call us on a full 180, yeah. you know, turn around and go into completely I secretly hope so just to see how Mark handles Ooh, it. Gosh. <laughs> I think he's, he's just grooming us a little bit. Like it's going to be the same. Okay. <laughs> like, anyone Next who hears minute. anything different. <laughs> the Gentiles are coming. <laughs> they're wrong. <laughs> but like, it, it, you're right. Like it would have just been such a, like it was such a drastic turnaround yeah. for them. Yeah. Like God sometimes just, flips the tables on us Mm. and, you know, I guess we do need to be prepared for that but encouraged that there is scripture that kind of helps us figure out and helps us kind of reflect on, well, this has Mm. happened before and this is how the church dealt with it. Yeah. We can be informed and encouraged by that. Yeah. But, yeah, what a wild time. Mm. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions submitted through Slido this week. We were – I dare say inundated Ooh. with questions on Slido this Delightful. week. It was a time. But these are the big three that made the cut. So just tell us what they are. Question one, the prohibitions given in Acts were contextual. Are there prohibitions we have um, we should have for faith in our modern Western context? Heavy. Mm. <laughs> prohibitions <laughs> is such like a full-on word, mm, doesn't mm. it? Should we be lining up the adult men to get circumcised? (laughs) No, I hope not. I don't know. Question two. If we are called into a role of authority, how do we discern what is Jesus and what is community influence? Yeah, I I wouldn't mind an answer to that question. (laughs) For sure, definitely. And question three. Has GBC had any experiences that we should be reflecting theologically on? Yeah, right on. Let's look back. Yeah, let's, let's back to the beginning. <laughs> that, that will was, never happen again. That was special. That was special. Thank you so much for that. Well, welcome. <laughs> before we break out into song, <laughs> let's get the man. And would himself. most of our readers, our listeners, <laughs> know that? Yeah. <laughs> no, Hillary I don't Duff. Know what no, Hilary Duff. No, I'm sorry. Obviously, my rendition of it was not as iconic. <laughs> Can't say that I've would spent you? too much time in the the 
dulcet tones of Hilary Duff. Uh, that's outrageous. I'm sorry. You need to work on that before next week <laughs> so and then sorry. we can do a duet. We can do a duet. <laughs> well, again, before that happens, let's get the man in. Mark Rader, welcome to the big three. Help us, please. <laughs> Save us from ourselves. You say that every week. <laughs> because every week we just somehow take this podcast yeah. somewhere it's not meant to go. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah, Play referee. That's right. How are you going, Mark? Yeah, I'm going all right, actually. Yeah, yeah. What's, yeah. What's, what's coming up for you? Uh, well, I mean, I've got long service leave coming up, and uh, but uh, more immediately, uh, this, the actual the start of my hockey season. And do I say more importantly? More, well, I'm not sure I want to say that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is why it always gets in trouble. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my, I'm, I make my official debut on Sunday evening, 9.15 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I know. Who wants to exert themselves physically at 9.15? The world of hockey I, is apparently wild. Apparently I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that the the actual start of it so the um yeah it's all it's all up on the ice hockey new south wales website like you can follow the teams and the the, the league like it's all a little bit profesh in that sense <laughs> everything else has not been but like the website looks like they know they're doing do you have a cheer squad with some pom-poms and things i don't know about the pom-poms but oh. like nicole uh and the girls are coming uh, and a couple Hopefully of mates are coming. Signs. I hope they make signs. So can we just crash? Yeah. Nine fifteen, Liverpool. <laughs> what oh, number are yeah, you? That's turned me off. Well, away. I don't know <gasps> if I'll have my jersey yet. So oh. like, because oh. I think the whole the whole. <laughs> so they're not very organised. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why the, the, like the website it's looks a perception correct. Only. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's just uh, a little bit of you know the the chaos of any kind of mm, sport club run sure. by mm. volunteers. But uh, it sounds like they've. They have to wait until all the teams are finalized before they can order all the jerseys and they Very do good. it for the entire club, blah, 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 blah. But I will be number 17. <gasps> so, oh. the so, number, so we know the number. Uh, it's, it's significant in part mostly because my brother wears the same number. So, um, so I'd, so I'd kind of identified a handful <laughs> of numbers that I'd like to wear. And 17 was kind of on the short list mm-hmm. along with a couple of others. And then I was chatting to my brother and just said, oh, what number do you wear right now? And he said, oh, you know, and he named number 17. And I was like, well, that's on the short list. So like that's decided. Here we so, go. Two brothers, two hemispheres, <gasps> one number. So, oh, wow. So, same skill so, level? Um, my brother would probably be a better hockey player than I am okay. by oh. quite a way. It's only because he's Isn't been playing for a lot longer. Yeah, oh, so, so <laughs> when I played, I played two games with him when we were overseas seven or eight years ago. Uh, he'd signed me up as a casual player, so I actually got to play two games. And I just didn't want to embarrass him in front of Fair all enough. his friends. Fair. I'm sure so, he wanted the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and his, his, at the end of the first game, his captain looked at me. We're in the change room. He looked at me and goes, well, you didn't suck that bad. <laughs> I was like, you'd, make, you'd, be, you'd be great in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> But I also felt that that you know I, I didn't embarrass him, so that was the, that was the important part. Very so anyway, so that, I'm looking forward to that on the weekend. So. Yeah, I, well, I you know I I hope you win, and I hope you keep your teeth as and well. And I hope yeah. you don't embarrass it. anyone. Yeah. Well, I've got the full cage, so I shouldn't lose any teeth. That's good. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been wise. meeting more and more of my teammates, and I think that I'll probably fit in. They quite all nicely. have their teeth. They have their teeth. Great. You've just so, told me many yeah. stories of yeah. people just spitting a tooth yeah. out and then. Oh, that's playing. that. Yeah, that's the professionals, you know. So well, you're a professional so, now, right? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I did block a shot last week, and I have a just a wonderful bruise on my leg. <laughs> like it is just, it's it's just. You I need can't a cage imagine, on your legs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't imagine getting hit by a puck by like yeah. a professional. Yeah. Like 
this is just some guy who's playing in Australia. <laughs> and I'm just what like, are you insinuating? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're you know exactly what I'm insinuating. So anyway, well, enough of that. Or Before this turns into the, the Sydney hockey <laughs> podcast. Hmm. See, now there's an idea. There's an idea. Let's get into the big three. Yeah, let's. So this question is for all the uh, haggis eating fans out there <laughs> in the community. <laughs> um, we want to know, it was kind of given a list came back to the Gentiles of like, okay, you don't need to do a lot of the stuff we do, but there's a few things that you you do need to kind of um, adhere by. Yeah. And a lot of them were around like sexual immorality and then a lot of food stuff, not drinking blood and things mm, like that. But mm. for people who really enjoy the taste of uh, <laughs> rare meat, <laughs> um, we want to know the prohibitions given in Acts were contextual, but are there prohibitions we should have for faith in our modern Western context? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's, yeah, that's a, great, a good question because I think we always – we always kind of grapple with like the application of scripture, right? And so this is to some degree another question of application, mm. right? So here we have four very clear commands that you would think because they're in scripture, we should just kind of automatically apply them to ourselves. Yeah. And and more or less, I think that's not a bad way forward, right? Mm. When you find commands in scripture, it's always good to kind of start with a we should probably try to obey that. Yeah. Sometimes, of course, it's the principle underneath it that that that's more significant. Mm. And I think this is one of those sorts of circumstances because those prohibitions are, as you said, they're contextual. So even the, even the situation that they're writing to address is not quite like anything that we would experience. Right. Mm. Um, so for them, it was largely around the social conventions driven by the mm. theology that had forever separated Jews and Gentiles. And that had become more and more important uh, in the centuries before Jesus, right? Um, and so th- we don't have quite that same situation where we're having a like an influx of all these people who just see the world completely differently than we do and yeah. practice different all sorts of things. So I think we have to kind of dig underneath that to some of the <clears throat> some of the principles. And I think that there's probably two edges to it. Like there's the social convention part, and 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 that's that's myriad, right? But there's a whole bunch of things that we can. Um, a whole bunch of things that can get in the way of, you know, what they talk about in, in Acts is kind of that table fellowship, right? Just the things that make it hard for us to kind of get along because we're too different. Mm. So I think we have to just be aware of those things. Uh, and, and on both ends, right? On both ends, like I have to be aware that sometimes the things that separate me from someone else or that make it hard to get along are just me, getting hung up on social conventions. So I need to be Mm. open to that. But I think we also need to kind of be prepared to, I guess, adhere to or be aware of or make some concessions. So the example that comes to mind for me, when I used to um, do a lot more kind of itinerant speaking, I'd speak at other churches, I would inevitably go with like a jacket and a tie. Uh, and the reason was that it was so much easier to take the tie off and become less formal mm. <laughs> than it was to become more formal. And often I didn't know the culture of the churches that I was at, I was speaking at, and I didn't want to come in looking casual if the congregation's culture was more formal. Because then when I get up to speak, the first thing they would see is how casual 
I was dressed. And that Who's Mike, this skater boy? I'm not listening to him. Skater boy. <laughs> Pretty sure that was never actually on the cards. That but wasn't the look you were going for. That's the source of Avril Lavigne's <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> well, she's Canadian. So. <laughs> Zing. But is it the real Avril Lavigne anymore? <laughs> Sorry. We digress. Yeah. We do digress. Uh, and, and, that, and that was a deliberate decision on my behalf to just try to make sure that I didn't, that I didn't get in the way with something as frivolous as my clothing. Mm. Yeah. So that if, you know, if, if I was the only one with the suit and the, you know, the jacket and the tie, I'd take the jacket off, take the tie off. Again, just so that people were like, okay, we're good. And I think there's lots of those sorts of things that individual congregations would kind of have. And, uh, and while we need to be aware of them, I think it's kind of social convention piece. But I think the heart of the, the question that's been asked is more about the, the theological stuff, mm. right? Because mm. I think that we would say, yeah, fine, it's all well and good to, you know, wear a tie if everyone wears a tie or to, yeah. you know, whatever the case might be. But those prohibitions are probably more theologically driven. So mm. as I mentioned on Sunday – um, ben Witherington, who's a New Testament scholar um, and does, a, and like many New Testament scholars, does a lot of work on the context. He reckons that all four of those prohibitions are wrapped around idolatrous pagan practices. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's enough evidence for us to suggest that not only the way the food, you know, food sacrificed to idols would then be sold in the market or eaten yeah. by those who were around. And, you know, if, if even if I was a Christian, if I were invited by a pagan friend of mine to attend a religious festival and then the meal afterwards, like that was a, like there was a social convention there. Yeah. So there was that, that the meat strangled and the, and the blood, um, all of those were kind of, I guess we could kind of go, well, they all seem like they strike me as pagan festival stuff, but sexual morality was also apparently fairly common. And so that ultimately what, James and the apostles are asking the Gentiles to do is to break the associations of that component of their pagan background. In part because of the social convention, right? That would then allow Jews and Gentiles to eat together. Because it's interesting, there's no mention of clean or unclean food. Yeah. It doesn't say, you know, abstain from bacon because it's just really offensive. It's more about the idolatrous components of it. But there's a social convention to that. Uh, first of all, but there's also that deeper theological principle of like separation, mm. purity, mm. Um, holiness, that kind of set apartness. And so I think that for us, we need to consider the social convention components and the principles that let's just make it easy for us to inter, inter, engage with one another as Christians. But then the, the questions around purity and separation and holiness, I think, are well worth thinking about. Now, again, that would be a little bit contextual depending on where you lived and, you know, all those sorts of things. But I think, you know, things like, you know, like sexual immorality would probably still make our list today of things that we should probably be careful of. Mm. Um, You know, I know that we often, I think we caricature like conservative Christians in the 50s with, you know, no dancing, no singing, no (laughs) movies, no cards, all that kind of stuff. No rock and roll. Yeah, no rock and roll. (laughs) Um, but but there does seem to me to be a space there for us to consider mm. what we watch, what we attend, mm. those sorts of things. And again, I, I probably wouldn't want to put it in a prohibition sense, but I think that there's space for us to be able to say, yeah, you can go to the movies. But you know, personally, I've never really understood why anyone really would watch a horror film. But is that the sort of thing that as Christians we, we ought to be 
taking in, mm. for instance. And, and, and again, like I, I wouldn't want to make a prohibition about it. Like if it's classified as horror, you cannot watch it. But you, know, you just think, okay, there's some space in there. Like it, not every artist, like maybe we shouldn't necessarily be attending every concert that everyone, like they're, yeah. they're, those are not morally neutral things. Mm. So I, I guess I just kind of wonder in that space whether there's something where, and I don't have any real answers to that mm. um, because I think that there's all sorts of components that go into it, but that seems to me like a bit of a space. Um, I think that there'd be, um, there'd be some value in thinking through things like um, – like consumerism and what that looks like mm. for us. Now, again, those, these, are, these are massive sorts of things. Yeah, I don't love when you bring up this topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a credit card does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but those sorts of those sorts of things where I think because I think the the principle is that James was calling them to be aware of the com- the aspects of their life before Jesus. Yeah, that may not be appropriate to bring into their life with Jesus, yeah. right? So while they most likely had ceased worshiping idols because they now believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the participation in those social gatherings mm. was still kind of getting awfully close to the line mm. in that sense. And I think that's where I would raise things like consumers. And we can't get away from money. We can't get away from the economy that we have but how do we do that in a way that's 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 godly? Mm. You know, I think entertainment and and all of those like that's good stuff. Right? Yeah, that's not it's not it's not a matter of drawing the line and saying you shall never. Mm. I love a rom com. But, <laughs> yeah. but what do we do with that in terms of you know making sure that there's an element of our witness yeah. that's still yeah. viable? Like those sorts of questions. Mm. Um, and Just again, like I, reflective practice. Yeah, yeah, which are a little bit bigger, of course, than than the prohibitions that James has provided, which mm. to some degree are kind of simple. Um, but they would have had some real, there would have been some confusing elements, I can imagine, for yeah. those Gentile yeah. Christians who are like, so, you know, like my brother, who's not a believer, has gotten married and there's the you know, and there's the involvement of the gods because that's how we do things here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I go to that wedding? Like you know, yeah. like I'm sure that it, there were all sorts of gray areas, yeah. but but raising this for for the Gentiles to say, hey, listen, you're saved by faith, mm. so this is not a salvation issue in terms of what we're asking you to do, but as an extension of your belief in Jesus and that you've been set apart, you would do really well to to mm. avoid these things. And he's not making a, a suggestion. It is. You know, the, the general consensus of um, commentators seems to be that he's, he's doing more than saying, hey, it'd be nice if he thought about doing these things. Yeah. It's, it's very much a matter of this. This is, what, mm-hmm. this is what's going to be required. Uh, and so I think there are a number of areas where we could fruitfully have those conversations. Yeah. What does this mean for the Jews, though, if they have kind of seen like, okay, a lot of our stuff is unnecessary now in terms of Mm. salvation. These are the kind of four things you should do. What does that mean for them and their practice? Are they kind of off the hook in all of their kind of tradition? Identity crisis. Like everything I thought was important isn't important. Or I'd just be hella jealous that these guys get to eat bacon and still go to heaven Uh, and here I am following all these rules. (laughs) I mean, bacon is heaven. Yeah. So... (laughs) uh, yeah. <laughs> Theology aside, uh, <laughs> I think it's a great follow-up, Jess, because I think that that I think that's one of the other pieces. I mean, so often I think that the church has 
I think rightfully probably been accused of or has been guilty of making people conform to their social mm. practices mm. that are really social practices, sometimes driven by theological desires. Mm. You know, so the caricature of, you know, we don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't gamble, we don't dance. Like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> that, was, uh, that was, that was driven, <laughs> but it was driven by kind of a theological concern. But what ends up becoming the barrier for people is the social convention yeah. and how that gets played out. And so I think we always do want to be asking, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's kind of, if I'm going to require things of you, mm. then there ought to be requirements of me as well. And if the only requirements are the things that I already do, then I ought to be suspicious of my list. Yeah. Right? You know, I think that for the, for the Jewish people, the Jewish believers to be m more specific Jews for Jesus. <laughs> yes. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, I think that they would have been going through, you know, to Matt's point, I think a really serious rethinking of just about everything. Yeah. Mm. You know, like you read through the Gospels and there are places where Jesus had already indicated that the clean, unclean food distinctions were on their way out. Well, they were important, but they were important. Again, it seems like it seems like the Pharisees in particular had ended up making the social conventions the important part yeah. Yeah. rather than the theological kind of foundations, mm. right? So I think Jesus would affirm the theological foundations of yes. being separate, right? And so yep. the food regulations were, you know, in, in the book of Leviticus, were wrapped around the discernment mm. process, right? And the, and the people of Israel were called to discern between what was clean and unclean. So there's a sense that even what you eat is part of what it means to be in relationship with God. Yeah. And so they were to, to they were to be discerning, they were to be aware, they were to be able to kind of employ discernment in any situation they found themselves in. I think that sense of separateness and yeah, wow. care and all inclusiveness of our discipleship, I think that's the important part. So I don't think Jesus would have said to them, Yeah, just eat whatever you want. No. Like that wasn't because that's a social convention piece. Mm. But what he was pointing out was the theological component of it, which is the thing that makes you unclean is stuff that comes out of your heart not stuff that goes in your stomach. Mm. Like the idea that by eating bacon, you've somehow become unclean mm. in your heart. It's like that, that's, that's, that's a, apart from what the law was meant to kind yeah. of really get yeah. at. And, but I think at the same point, like the, the early church would have been going through massive changes yeah. of, and, and that would have been sped forward by the Gentile inclusion mm. of kind of going, Oh, all right. So now when we start to think about it, we start to really, reflect upon Jesus's teaching, well, maybe there are some things that we don't need to be engaged in, you know? So the first Christian couple to have a child, a male child, if they were both Jews at eight days, that child would have been circumcised. Mm. Now we're saying it's that circumcision isn't necessary. Now, if they had done that, I think everyone would have gone, that's fine. Like yeah. no problems there. Mm. Um, but if they had chosen not to, Mm. And it's confusing because a lot of these commands and things were very clearly given from God, like yeah. written on some stone tablets yeah. or like, yeah. so it wasn't like they'd just come up with these things no. by themselves. No, no, exactly. Yeah. So I think that all that, even, even, you know, Jesus is teaching around the Sabbath and what that looked like. They, mm. I mean, they continued to observe the Sabbath, although they began to observe Sunday, the resurrection day rather than mm. the Sabbath on Saturday. Um, but you know they were trying to figure out what does this look like, you yeah. know. And once you include others who don't have the same mm. background, it becomes pretty massive. Mm. Um, Poor guys. 
Mm. So I think that there would have been plenty of stuff for them to be working through themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just trying to figure out which bits of social convention Mm. made it impossible for Gentiles to join them. Yeah. Which things ought they to continue to to work out? And, you know, like even Paul has – it's not mixed messaging, but like – you know, he's like, to the Jews, I become like a Jew. To the Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. Like, uh, so that people can be saved. Mm. And so they're like Titus, who's a Greek. He did not have circumcised. But Timothy, who was Jewish, well, half Jewish, he had him circumcised. And the the rationale is kind of given, you know, in terms of their ability to witness and what that meant. Mm. So even Paul, yeah. you can just see in his practice, he's like not making it up as he goes along, but like making it up as he goes yeah, along. Yeah, just you know? trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, kind of confirming to people that no, 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 circumcision is not the thing. Yeah. And adherence to the law of Moses is not the thing, but the law of Moses was given as a reflection of the relationship. So we should adhere to the spirit of the law. Yeah. <sighs> And on they go. Jeez, so. it, like it sounds like a hot mess, but mm-hmm. spoiler alert, we know how it ends and it works out. So <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but really, really complicated stuff. So yeah. excellent question. Well, let's get into question two. So, Mark, you kind of obviously we've been talking about the discernment process and, and obviously discerning together throughout this whole series, but your message on Sunday kind of focused in for a moment around, you know, those in positions of authority. Mm. And we talked about the weird cultural context that Australia has with its leaders. Um, But obviously like authority doesn't just apply to the senior pastor (laughs) or the church leadership team. Like we can all find ourselves in different leadership positions, different positions of authority. So if we are called into a role of authority, how do we discern what is Jesus and what is community influence? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I differentiate the noise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're hearing. Yeah. I I think there's a couple of components to this. I think, you know, in terms of the the noise versus what Jesus, Mm. the voice of Jesus, I think that we need to be very careful not to hold those as polar opposites, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're called to follow Jesus in our culture. Yeah. So some of that noise, right, some of the cultural circumstances we find ourselves in is exactly where Jesus is at work. Mm. So we need to pay attention to the cultural moment that we Mm. find ourselves Mm -hmm. in. What opportunities are there for the gospel? Uh, What obstacles are there to the gospel? And those will change in various circumstances and situations. So I think we have to hold them together. Yeah. First of all, Um, and I think we need to we need to um, then, I guess, believe that Jesus will make his his will Mm. in terms of his immediate. I guess, specific will for us, yeah. really clear. Like I think there's a, to some degree, you know, if Jesus never told us anything more, we would have enough to go on, mm. right? We'd have enough principles in general to kind of go, you know what, this is what we're called to in any circumstance. Yeah. If we're loving people, if we are caring for those who are marginalized or oppressed, if we're looking out for those on the outer, pretty sure Jesus is going to go, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like uh, we're not going to be out of his will. Mm. But in terms of those specific, like do this very specific thing, start this very specific ministry, go in this very specific direction, I think we do have to trust that Jesus's voice 
and I guess, and this is the theology behind it, that he is that his ability to speak is infinitely greater than our ability to hear, right? Mm. So but that kind of sounds like an oxymoron, though. Like, well, yes and no. Like in the sense that if Jesus really wants us to hear something, mm. and we have set ourselves to listen, yeah, and he really needs us to hear something, we'll hear it, yeah. And 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 that does mean that we have to be in a posture of listening. Mm. I think we can go through our lives, you know, metaphorically speaking, with our fingers in our ears, going, you know, la 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 la, <laughs> you know, um, and and not wanting to. But if we're in a posture of seeking to hear from Jesus, mm. then I think we need to, you know, we need to try to, you know, I guess remove the static from the noise, right, a little yeah. bit to kind of go, what, where's the, where are the opportunities for the gospel here? Mm to be asking, you know, what parts of our cultural moment um, are fertile ground for the kingdom? Mm. What areas are really hard soil? Um, I think we need to be thinking theologically on our culture in, in, in that sense. But if we're doing that and and have a posture of listening, I think that we'll be led in that space. Yeah. I think the other component, though, is about that leadership piece, mm. right? Uh, and I, you know, I said this on Sunday. Like, I do have a little bit of a conflict of interest when I start talking about you know, submission to authority. <laughs> you know? So it's a little bit awkward, you know. And here are seventeen points I just happen to come up with. You know? You've also got an uphill battle ahead of you, <laughs> yeah, just right. which is the unique Australian circumstance. Um, yeah, but <laughs> case in point. <laughs> case in point. But I, but I think that there there is something in that space for us about how do how do we in leadership, whether it be leadership of a church or mm. of a life group or a ministry area or you know um, a, a business or whatever mm. the case mm. might be, how do we go about um, how do we go about doing that? Right, and I think that you know we we need to try to make. We need to make decisions for the group mm. to some degree, mm. right? Like if if the decisions are only going to serve me, that's probably problematic. Which I mean, it means that we probably need to have not only some good self reflection questions along the way, but we probably also need to have. I think any leader would need this, does need this, voices that they trust who can say to them, "You sure that's not just about you?" Yeah. Um, Which is the Australian people, we take we, that role very seriously. <laughs> we do take that, so <laughs> yes. can, can confirm. You've got enough of those yeah. voices. It's kind, of, it's kind of built in. So, but, but I think it's really important then that leaders listen to those voices, right? Uh, and, and that's not always easy to do for all sorts of reasons. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think we need to discern between them. Yeah. Um, because they, they're like anything, there's sometimes it's like, Sometimes as a leader, you have to kind of go, I've heard that, mm. but we're still heading in a different direction. Yeah. Not always the easiest decision to make, but I think that's important. So I think we need to be listening to those voices. I think we need to make sure that even in our self-reflection, we're not just um, kind of you know doing things that are good for us. Uh, and I think that um, in a similar way, like we need to practice submission even in authority. Mm. Um you know, the submission to what's good for the community yeah. and the group. Yeah. That's actually one of the ways that we practice submission. Um, I think listening to voices is another way that we practice submission because mm -hmm. we are giving voice to others and we are uh, genuinely seeking or hopefully we're genuinely seeking um, to set aside power 
yeah. in the moment to, to be able to listen to that. But then at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm struck by James just kind of listening to everybody and then kind of going, right, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, holy, like it's such a brazen call for yeah. such a complex matter. Yeah. And I think it speaks to his wisdom, his influence that everyone's yep. like, yep, that sounds like a great way forward. <laughs> that is not what I suggested, but yeah. okay. Because <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't bring in the army, right? He yep. doesn't like he doesn't enforce it. He basically kind of makes that call after having listened to everything and reflected on scripture himself and all of those sorts of things. So I think that there does come a time when you need to make those decisions. And even in the decision making process, I think, and this is this is equally tricky, making sure that there's enough time in the process of change for people to 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 be brought along in yeah. that space. I think that becomes fairly important too. So I, like, I think all of those things go together, I think, to, to, to make decisions that are good decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and apart from that, I think, you know, as leaders, I think you want to be asking, I guess, in your own devotional life for Jesus to lead you as you are appointed to lead. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one of the things that I feel – or are very aware of, like a sense of being called to a position then brings with it certain responsibilities mm. that I need to, I can't shirk away from. I no, need no. to kind of take those seriously. And sometimes that requires that, no, I have to make a decision on this. Kind mm. of I've listened to the voices. We've, we've talked to people. We've thought this through. We've prayed about it. We've... And now this is the decision, yeah. Uh, and and kind of trust that that's that's the way that God is leading. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and to try to be humble enough to, you know, if you get it wrong, to kind of go, well, <laughs> my bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that's not always easy either. But uh, yeah, so I'm not sure if that answers much of the question or some of the question or just answers things around the question. But <laughs> that, that that's my best shot. It's all helpful though. <laughs> it's all helpful, and I think you're right. Like it's. It's complicated. It's not something that we should do by ourselves. Like I do think that um, leadership and positions of authority can sometimes feel quite lonely, mm. but they don't need to be. Like mm. we can still welcome others mm. into that spell, space to help yep. us yep. Um, discern, you know, that we're not just being influenced by the crowd, but that mm. we're being influenced by Christ. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, leadership from a Christian perspective, I think, is a whole other topic you know, that you could explore, you know, um, <laughs> in terms of how do you, how do you lead like Jesus would lead, mm. you know, um, yeah. and be I held you, to a very high standard. You would be yeah. held a to a very high leader. standard. <laughs> That's right. And I, and I've got, I, I have personal issues with like leadership books that say, this is how Jesus would be a leader. Cause he didn't come as a leader. If he was going to be a CEO, he would have been a great CEO, but mm. he didn't do that. Mm. And so I think we have to be really careful about saying, this is what it would look like. Yeah. But at the same time, I think following Jesus and being a leader, I think there's, you know, certainly some space to some overlap. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, but how, what that looks like is, mm. and I think decision-making is one of those one yeah. really tricky spaces because mm. at one level, someone has to say, this is what we're doing. Mm. Eventually, yeah, um, and you know, so it's all well and good to submit, but at, at a certain point in time, this Sometimes is the decision, you, to leave. you know, and, yeah. and, and so what that looks like from a Christian mm. perspective, and how do you listen to dissent and all those yeah. sorts of things. But yeah, I don't a, envy you. So no. that's, that's another. That's probably that's probably a fourth question. That's, that is a fourth that question. Nobody else is interested. No, but <laughs> I'm not sure I want to do it. So. <laughs> um, well, let's get into question three. Yeah. 
So Mark, each week um, through this sermon series, as you've kind of wrapped up, you've talked about the importance of reflecting on where God has worked in the past and how we've seen him kind of play out. And a lot of um, the stories that we've looked at have um, people in them who are kind of reflecting on how God's worked for them. Has GBC had any of these experiences that we should be reflecting theologically on? Yeah, like it has been striking how significant experience is. And Mm. and again, I think we have to be very clear about the role of experience, Mm. right? Because I think we would want to probably, in terms of priority, we'd probably want to place scripture ahead of experience. But I wouldn't say that there'd be a lot of daylight between them, Mm. right? Because our experiences go a long way to shaping our understanding of God and Mm. even our understanding of scripture. And so our experience has an enormous influence. Uh, it's a similar thing to, you know, like our emotional response to stuff. Like we don't want to be driven by our emotions, but we want to be guided by we them. We don't? <laughs> Not mine, you don't. <laughs> I've been you doing it wrong. Them down. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> I just remember someone uh, doing some teaching on, on uh, like ethics, like how do mm. you make ethical decisions? And I think it was like fourth or fifth on their list of kind of as Christians, how do we go about doing it? They talked about emotions and they just said, you know, God's given us our emotions and sometimes our response to a, an ethical dilemma is that kind of, ugh. Yeah. And he goes, that's basically worth listening to. Mm. Should that be the first thing that we respond to? Should that be the basis of our final ethical decision? Probably not, but yeah. it plays a role in it. So there's lots that kind of goes into those sorts of spaces. But I think the experience piece, it, it does it keep, does just keeps popping up. Mm. Uh, and And I reckon that, I mean, the answer to the question is yes, GBC has had some of those experiences. How you go about identifying which ones to draw attention to, I mm. think, is an interesting one. And, and I think my, my immediate reaction would be to focus on those stories that seem to have resonated in a particular way with the community faith, the stories that lots of people know and lots of people tell and that we keep coming back to, mm. right? So... The, the chicken shed. Classic. It is a classic. <laughs> it's a banger. <laughs> you know, a group of, uh, you know, when, when the area was not developed at all, mm. a group of young families fleeing the expense of the city <laughs> came the to the irony. suburbs. <laughs> right? The irony. Now they're sitting on a cash pot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bought this land, lots of young families, not very many churches, mm. felt called to start a Sunday school, which they held in their home, including the hosed out chicken shed out the back, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) it was before work health and safety as we know well before, (laughs) you know, but, but that is a story that, that we keep coming back to. Mm. And and it's not that, and again, like it's the, it's the principles underneath it. There was a group of people who looked around at their community and went, there's a need here Mm. and we can fill it. Mm. And they use whatever was at hand to, to do it. And I think that there are, there are a number of those sorts of stories that, we've had. Um, so I included some of these in the long read, um, gave a little bit of historical background. And the long read was just kind of a bunch of stuff around our discernment process and a couple of other big issues. It wasn't that long, but it was long enough. It was <laughs> longer than my normal communication. <laughs> I mean, we both read it um, multiple times. <laughs> Absolutely thrilling stuff. <laughs> I'm not lying. Like I did read it multiple times. <laughs> I just read it once. I got, I got the point. I got the <laughs> yeah, but there's a handful of things that I think are quite significant about, uh, about GBC's experience mm. and, and how, 
how it seems that God has invited us to participate yeah. and, and how we have. So I think, you know, one of the big stories or experiences of, of GBC is the way in which we, we resource things. Mm. Um, you know, the, you, you, you go back quite a ways now, but you know, for the last 40 years in mm. particular, and even before that, you see evidence of GBC releasing their staff to serve wider kingdom purposes. Mm. Uh, whether that be, um, you know, Carl, who is our former senior pastor, into media space yeah. and uh, involvement in the Aero Leadership Program, my involvement at Morling College mm. um, as a lecturer there while still on staff here. Going back even further, I think you find lots of those sorts of examples. Yeah, uh, we've been a church that lots of stuff has started from. We're mm. not we're not real good at sustaining relationships with things <laughs> that we've started, um, but we're we seem to have a we'll make friends quick. But <laughs> well, we seem we to have <laughs> yes, we seem to have a prolactivity uh, um, like a um, we seem to have some sort of a attraction to startups. Yeah. Yeah, not quite the language I think we would have used for lots of our history because it's mm. a relatively new term. But you know, like things like Christian surfers that started here. Mm. You know, we don't have a, a great deal to do with Christian surfers, or we still continue to support them. But the importance of the story for us is really that it started here. Mm. You know, Bike for Bibles, an initiative with the Bible Society, mm. it's raised thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars for Bible literacy mm. around the world. That started here. Mm. Um, and again, we don't have, we don't, we don't talk about it a lot. Like yeah. we just kind of get at it. Um, and I think there's something in that story, that experience. Of yeah. it. Just look at all these things that start here. Mm. We don't kind of do much with them later on. We're just really keen to start stuff, get it going, or to inspire people to start and then stuff, release. Yeah. and then to release it. And and maybe that's a deficiency in our behalf. Like maybe it's something that we have to address and get better at kind I mean, of holding on to those things. I mean, we can't maintain all of the things we've no, started. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that, that that idea of being a startup church, you kind of go, okay, that's an interesting mm. story that keeps mm. popping up. Um, I think our resourcing, and particularly the real can-do attitude, I think you find this lots in Australia, Australian cultures, but you know, just that whole, what do we have at hand? Oh, a bunch of us like to ride bikes. We could raise money for Bibles. Poof, off you go. <laughs> we really like to surf, and we're really passionate about following Jesus. And heaps of people who surf aren't into Jesus. We should, poof, off you go. Um, and and our willingness, you know, in terms of mission support, you mm. know, the you know the millions of dollars that we've raised mm. over the last decade alone, mm. yeah, uh, for overseas missions. It's just like we've got capacity mm. um, and resource that seems to be part of our story that I think we need to reflect on a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, I think that uh, th those strike me as being key moments. Um, you know, the the decision to build what's well, no longer our new auditorium, it's not new, but the, to build the second auditorium. Yeah. Um, you know, in the midst of the global financial crisis because we really felt that God was leading us. So there was a sense of being willing to follow, even though it didn't seem to make a lot of logical sense, mm. um, the way in which the three sites that have become our parking lot all became available just as we were looking. Yeah. You know, like yeah. those sorts of stories of God's provision mm. when we've stepped out in faith 
I think are really significant. You know, like every year in May, May Mission Month, our target looks ludicrous to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, $187,000 or whatever it is going to be this year, something in that vicinity. He's kind of like, that's just a ridiculous amount mm. of money. And yet there's the provision of God every year. And yeah. you just think, so what is that all about? Mm. Well, that's one of those ongoing stories. And so I think that those are well worth reflecting on. And, you know, Matt, you said earlier, you know, I, God may call us to a 180-degree turnaround yeah. and we head in a completely different direction and it marks kind of a very much a second chapter, yeah. you know, of, of this is completely different. But, yeah. but I suspect that, and, 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 and this is not just because um, of my own aversion to change, but um, <laughs> I said not holy. <laughs> but you, you see it in scripture where God is persistent with his plans. Yeah. And even when things are new, there's still a continuity, right? Mm. So the, the whole issue of the inclusion of the Gentiles, the problem was that God hadn't started something new. Mm. He said, this is the continuity of what I've already been doing. And yeah. so you need to deal with the mess. <laughs> yeah, it would have been easier if he just kind of said, okay, the old is done. This is brand new. Starting at on square bike, yeah. one, we're including the Gentiles. You got to sort yourselves out. Yeah, but no, it was a sense of yeah, the Jewish people are now being brought in together along with the Jew Gentiles, and there's continuity. So you mm. figure out how the law of Moses interacts with Gentiles now, mm. you know. And so there's such, <laughs> that sounds like a you problem, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I think that that continuity is is worth reflecting on. Mm. Um, you know, I think that as a community of faith, those are some of the experiences that I think are worth reflecting on mm. um, uh, over time uh, to consider what God, where God may be inviting us. You know, we, we've tried to have, I think, a good eye on our community. We've tried to fill needs when we've yeah. seen them. We've, yeah. been a we've been flexible with how we've done that. Mm. You know, it hasn't always remained the same. There's some stuff that was wildly successful in the past that we no longer do. Mm because the time had changed. And yeah, so yeah. we, you know, we, we don't actually have a lot of programs that we've been running for 70 Forever. years yeah. or 50 years or 40 or 30 years. Mm. There's a flexibility that we've had and, you know, making those decisions hasn't been easy, you know, all of that kind of mm. stuff, but there's a, there's a willingness to, to try different things, startups. Like I think that's well worth reflecting and praying mm. on. So those would be, that, that's, where I would start. Mm. And then I think it's worth asking people, you know, who've been around the place for a while and even people who are relatively new, like what are the stories you hear or why did you show up? Or, yeah. you know, what are the things that stand out about this community of faith? Mm. You know, someone who's just recently joined the church might have a particular take on, this is what I see. This is what this church seems to stand for. Mm. And even those might be clues for us to kind of reflect mm. on. What does that look like? You yeah, know, right the on. fact that we have a, 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 I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet who say, oh, I used to go to Gaimia. Yeah. Like it's like everybody used to mm. go to Gaimia or something, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, the Baptist world is fairly small, so that's certainly part of it. But there's something about that, you know, the number of people who have come through these doors who have spent some period of time here have been shaped by this community of faith. It, uh, I'm not sure what to do with it. But yeah. It seems to be part of that experience too. Yeah, amazing. Well, I guess coming from that, like, we wait in bated breath for the next story, the next experience, mm. the next journey. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I think so. And exciting times. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, if, if God invited us into some, some or like maybe several new areas where mm. we were starting things up that had global impact, national mm. impact, statewide impact, 
I'd be really excited to be yeah, part of yeah. that. You know, if we raised up a whole new generation of leaders who led churches around the state and country, like yeah. I'd want to be a part of that. If yeah. we, you know, whatever those circumstances might might be, I'd like to be a part of what God invites us to. And if it looks kind of like what it's been in the past, that's plenty exciting. Yeah. If it's something completely new, that'll be exciting too. But you know, I think if it looks like it's looked like in the past, I'm like I'm on board. I don't think there's any <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason why you kind of go, ah, it's you know, we've already done that. Mm. I think that the part of our story is pretty exciting if it were to continue. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't surf, I don't skate, I don't ride a bike, but I think we could start up like a Netflix watching community. Ooh. <laughs> That's just where I'm going with it. With that triple butter explosion <laughs> oh, popcorn. Yeah. Heck yes. Done. Give it giving some Thank thought you, too. Jesus. I, will, I will step into that calling. <laughs> right. Giving some thought, of course, to the yeah. things that we're watching. Correct. Well, Rita, thanks so much. Thanks so much for like I think this series has been really significant for mm. us. Um, wherever we are, like for those who are a part of our GBC community, but even those who might listen into the big three who aren't a part of the GBC community, because mm. it has a personal yep. Impact, but yeah. also uh, a corporate one as well. Yeah. So it's exciting times. Yeah, well, indeed. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. All right, Jessica Baker. Mm. Four weeks in discernment, the final one, final big three on this topic. Where's your head at? I'm feeling confident moving forward. What we're in at the moment is not as complex as what the, the stories <laughs> in the Bible have been like. And we have bacon to sustain us. We, I keep coming back to it, but it's like it's really important to me. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think trying to convert, uh, you know, pagans in our society yeah. <laughs> to Christianity and be like, oh, sorry, you can't do this. <laughs> you can't eat the bacon. Big no-no. Oh, yeah. So God's really made it easy for us in terms of evangelism, <laughs> I think. Um, I really love, like, kind of delving into that whole like bombshell that would have been for the Jewish yeah. people of like, okay, how on earth do we navigate mm. this and seeing how um, they relied on God, but like delved into the scriptures and took public opinion mm. and all that kind of stuff. It just seemed really cool. Yeah. Awesome. I don't envy them. No. 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 no, sir. <laughs> no. I'm glad we're just discerning what's our next move <gasps> I now. I'm glad that that's a them problem. Yeah. <laughs> As God's <laughs> it was like, mm, that's a you problem. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, I like I love talking about like the stories that have shaped mm. our community. Um, I I meet with uh, a pastor in South Australia. He he's mentoring me through my accreditation process, and he talks a lot about the significance of knowing your your community's story and the stories that shape your culture. And I I find that really exciting. I love kind of I'm a bit of a like history is a subject that I can kind of get into. So I, I like it really, I love seeing the common threads that have kind of defined us and, and shaped who we are and our sense of identity as a church community. And, and so it, it does excite me yeah. kind of thinking about, yeah, what is, how is our legacy going to shape our future? Mm. Cause I do believe that God will, he, like there might be those like out of left field opportunities and I do believe that we'll kind of jump at them but I also think that they're part of GBC's legacy as well mm. like yes we might be the startup but Christian Surfers was the first kind of organization that tried to take the gospel to the surfing mm. culture so like that would have felt very out of left field um, yeah. but because GBC kind of had this desire and this kind of heartbeat of like well let's you've got an idea, let's run with it. Mm. Like we were able to be a part of that. So I mean, like, I don't know what it's going to look like, mm. 
but I'm pumped to see it. No, we definitely have capacity and we make moves. And yeah. God's not going to look at us doing this period of discernment and go, oh, I'm not really into I don't really want to work with GBC yeah. this year. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that would be disappointing. That would be so awkward. Do uh, I dare say that we're trendsetters? I don't know. Can I say that? Are we an influencer? I don't know. Get on the gram. Do a TikTok. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, I've never TikTok felt more old saying that sentence. That was horrid. Oh god! I mean, our Netflix ministry will go off. Uh, I can just—I already know. I can. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thanks for bringing it You're back to so the welcome. things that matter: yeah. Netflix, popcorn, and some bacon. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Keeping it real. Well, if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you're there at one of our services this Sunday at the and that you snap the Slido QR code or follow the link before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big. Too big.